the guy pulled a gun out and Ooh. point blank range shot me and the bullet did not hit me. There's no, no reason that bullet should not have hit me. Encouraging, inspiring, and equipping leaders. This is Coach and Joe. What if uh, spiritual capital is actually more important than all the other capitals, including financial capital? Today, I'm going to interview someone who's very successful in business, yet his testimony is one of God doing something pretty incredible. Spiritual capital will impact all the other capitals, including our businesses. Welcome to Coach and Joe. My name is Chad Norris here with the illustrious Bo Cable, investor, entrepreneur, businessman. You've done a little bit of everything. A lot. Yes. On the restaurant. Yes. Coffee shop. Yes. Ice cream. Yes. Real estate agent, real estate investing. Yes. What else? Ran the nonprofit garden. Okay. You ran a nonprofit, so you've run uh, for-profit, nonprofit. I'm excited to interview you today. I've been learning a lot from you from the past year and a half. I've known you for 12 years-ish. Mm-hmm. Been a member at the church for a long time, even in the old building. And my my first interaction with you, you were running the nonprofit. Take just a take a quick uh, jab here. What did you do? What was the generous garden? What was that? Yeah, our goal there was to uh, take care of the orphans and the widows by growing healthy food and giving away. Because we we had noticed that when you go to food pantries, they get canned foods. There was nothing fresh. Yeah. So we thought we'd meet that need by growing fresh organic produce and giving it away. So we're going to talk about where that passion came from. We're actually going to do a few shows. We're going to talk about what God's doing with you and Nikki in the marketplace right now. But let's go back to the beginning. We all have a story, right? I told Michael Thornton the other day when he preached at Regent University or spoke at the commencement address, it was so powerful. I mean, he got a standing ovation in front of 5,000 people. And I said, Michael, it's not just because the blood of the lamb. We, we all can share Jesus with people. I said, it's also the word of your testimony. Michael's testimony is just ridiculous from a cocaine addict on the streets, homeless, to now Dr. Michael Thornton. And when he shares his story, people connect with, their, with his story. A lot of people around here know you as Bo the investor, uh, Bo the outside-the-box thinker. I mean, you've helped me grow in financial capital really just by thinking differently about a lot of things. I want to I go back to Bo the homeless teenager. You, you told me your story, it's probably about a decade ago, and it impacted me so much that I can, I can pretty much remember all of it. I want you to tell your story on, on this first show because it's been an unlikely journey to where you are now, to your family, spiritual capital, with financial capital and business. I bet there was a day if if you could if you could have seen yourself right now when you were living in that hotel homeless, you wouldn't have believed it, would you? No. What's your story? So I've been homeless twice. This is a my story is a, a story of God's redemption. At four and a half, they found me wandering around the streets looking for food. Um, and I was malnourished when the police found me. And um, after some foster homes in different places, I uh, was adopted. And uh, by uh, an incredible family, really was. Um, but in teenage years, uh, my my dad became uh, just a little too heavy-handed on the beatings. And so I, I ran away from home at 15, so back on the streets and never really uh, came off the streets until my mid to late 20s. Did you tell your mom when you were leaving? No. When you took off, where'd you go? I actually, it's a funny story. I actually, uh, the high school was near my house, 
and uh own property was a trailer and it, the maintenance guy lived there and i went to his house to use this use the phone and he let me call and i called a friend of mine does that seem like a million years ago it does it really does so you became homeless uh recently you were telling me the other night that one of the men that played a role in taking you in to some degree, you even contacted here recently, and he even drove up to see you. Talk to me. How long were you homeless? What did it look like, feel like? Where did you live? How did you survive? Who took you in? So when I first <clears throat> when I first ran away, um, I, they put me in uh, group care homes, and I would bounce to different ones, and I would run away from them. Just a lot of pain you know, of not feeling wanted um, after going through two families. And so there was a lot of uh, hurt, anger, and bitterness toward people and, and life. So I, things get tough, you just run away. And so uh, I'd run away from the group care homes. Mm -hmm. And finally, I just never went back. And uh, I remember one gentleman, I tried to, uh, <laughs> I tried to scam a hotel room off a guy because I was just so tired of like sneaking in cars that were open and sleep in the back seat and hope you'd wake up before they went to work or underneath houses or on loading docks or, or how do you eat? Uh, stealing hmm. or trash cans. Um, very, very tough. And, uh, sometimes people's houses, you know, you would always, uh, try to make friends on the streets and, uh, there's, there's been a lot of families along the way that were, so poor, I'd open up the refrigerator. There'd be very little in there, and they would, they'd give you a meal. Just gracious people. Um, but yeah, I stayed in. I, I couldn't, I couldn't con the room off the guy. But he I ended up being a believer, and um, hmm. he just read my book, read my mail. Oh, that's right. I remember this part. Yeah, and uh, he offered me to come and and stay uh, at his house and. Um, Give me an opportunity to go back to high school and finish school, which I did. And, um, of course, uh, through all that hurt and bitterness and anger, I'd always resist. He tried to, people try to get close and I'd always push them away. And so back on the streets, I go again. And, uh, so it was an ongoing journey. Of that was the father in the flesh, that man. Yeah. You know, we, a lot of us think, I want a God encounter. You had one. It was just in the form of a person. Changed yeah. your life. It did. Were you 16 or 18? How were you? You were 16 then? Yeah, 16, 17, yeah. So you finished high school? I did. Okay, so I want to stop there and, and then jump forward to the Generous Garden, which was about 12 years ago-ish, 15 years ago. That's where the passion for Generous Garden came from. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you remember the days of having no food. God gave you a passion. All right, let's go back to now. You're 18. You finished high school. What happened? What'd you do? Where'd you go? I just wandered a lot. Um, is this in Florida or North Carolina? North remember. Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I just wandered a lot in and out of just places, anywhere I could find a place. Um, tried, I tried to go to college and, uh, just, it had no direction. I went for a couple of months and, yep. and, uh, where'd you go? UTC, uh, in Chattanooga. How about that? Yeah. I followed a girl there. Okay. Uh, which didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people have that testimony. How'd yeah. you get to so-and-so? Well, her name was Darlene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then what? Well, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm curious. I'm trying to pick up on the, the God footprints in your life. You wandered into, when'd you meet Nikki? How old were you? 26. Okay. So that's about 
eight years there. Yeah. Just wandering, odd jobs? Yeah, odd jobs, if I would even work. And um, I met a guy. Um, I was working at Subway, and a guy came in. It was one of those guys that when he walks in the room, everybody lights up, just the party, you know, life of the party kind of person. And he and I just hit it off. And um, he was like, hey, I want to introduce you to a girlfriend of mine, hook y'all up. And um, so I met met them and started going to that church. And that's how I come to know Christ the second time, I'd say. Interesting. Yeah. Because a part of your story, which makes it, I think, in the realm of dealing with trauma in your heart, because I know I've been there too, is some people who hurt you. I mean, they were church-going people. Yes. So, I mean, so that that really complicates a person trying to bond with God, yet the paradigm is, hang on, heavy-handedness is coming from church folk. Mm. I was actually asked to leave a church one time when I was coming off the streets. And when you live on the streets, uh, I ne- the neat God was so, f- I don't, he, he protected me. I never did drugs or alcohol. My problem was anger and running with gangs and, and fighting. And uh, he protected me from all that stuff. So when I was coming off the street, my mind was so twisted and full of hatred toward people that when I entered into a church, I went a couple of times and they pulled me aside. It's like, we don't want you here. And so you've had all kinds of things to overcome. Yes. Which I know is the story of all of us, but your story fascinates me because I've never met anybody that doesn't have church hurt, but your, your, yours is really deep and obvious and painful and trauma. Yet you've been in the church I pastor for a long time, so you haven't run from here. God's blessed you and Nikki. You love your family. You're successful in business. I I I have a hunch. It's not really prophetic. It's more just doing this for so long. You probably can look back and say, oh, my goodness, I didn't see you, Father, there, there, there. You were there the whole time. He was. What moments did you not know in the in the time it happened, but when you look back, you're like, oh, that's God. Anything come to mind? Oh, yeah. There was uh, two quick stories. One is, uh, I, you know, when you're living on the streets, you'll do anything to survive. And I had stolen a TV. And so I was trying to sell it to a guy on the street. Back then, a huge, I guess it's one of those. Oh, it was a big one. <laughs> yeah, it took two of us to carry it. I had a button with <laughs> me. <laughs> and uh, the guy pulled a gun out and Ooh. point blank raised shot me and the bullet did not hit me. There was no... No reason that bullet should not have hit me. Where'd you steal it from? One of the group care homes I lived in. I was not living there at the time, but uh, again, so much bitterness and hate toward things that I went back to 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 hurt them, but also make a gain so I could eat. And uh, so that time, just taking a bullet, he took a bullet from me. Mm. Um, then there was another time I was uh, I borrowed a 1987 Mustang. Okay. GT. I drove a 91 Mustang. Did you? Mm-hmm. This thing was fast. And we go up on the Blue Ridge Parkway, and I'm just getting it. I'm, I'm 16, 17 year old, years old. Got this big old horsepower thing, and, and I'm just flying around these mountain curves. Well, I went around one way too fast, and the whole back half of the car went off the road, and I literally felt it set back on. And I remember the Lord waking me up the next day or a couple of days later and saying, I did that for you. I have a word for you. I didn't plan on saying this. Typically what we overcome and what the Father does in us, He will then put us in places where we can help a lot of people 
with what he did in us. You're going to help a lot of church people. So the Father's blessing you in the marketplace, but you're going to find more and more influence with people who've been hurt the same way you have, which is why there's this reciprocal kingly priestly thing going on. So you sat down with me. I've known you forever, but it was a year and a half-ish years ago. About. We went to breakfast, and this is, my, this is what I remember you saying. I've been successful. God's good. I want to go to the next level. I want to know him. And I looked at you and I said, I want to learn. And I didn't even know why I was saying it at the time. I didn't call it Ecclesia. I didn't even call it Marketplace. I said, I want to learn financial capital stuff from you. And I saw this reciprocal thing. Here's what God does in all of our stories. I'm getting ready to go on the Sid Roth show. And the name, the name of this book I have coming out is Your Mess is Your Message. That's it. I think a lot of times we look at people and we think, oh, man, I'll never be where they are. I don't know. I think whoever you admire the most, when they go to bed at night, they take their pants off one leg at a time, just like me. They use the bathroom, they brush their teeth, they're broken. They're... I think there's just power in what God has delivered us from. And then what he'll do, it's pretty predictable. He'll put you back into that setting, church, world, whatever, whoever hurt you. And then you help a bunch of people. I'm going to ask this. I don't, I don't think I've ever asked this. How'd you meet Nikki? So you, you kind of wander for a while. God saves you. You probably got 10 more stories than that, than the car and the gun. But how did you, it was a turning point when you met her, correct? Yes. How's it, what's that story? So back to that one guy I met and mm -hmm. wanted to hook me up with his friend and, and we were going to church. And um, during that time is when I started kind of get to know the father. And uh, well, then it was Jesus because I had a hatred toward the father because I, I had not had a good father in mm -hmm. my life. Yeah. And um, and meeting these people and getting back in the church, I knew there was something more and I needed I needed more. And so um, I met another guy in one of these groups and he was going to a different church in another city. So I just went and um that uh, they had a friend who started a Christian coffee house in downtown Asheville. And so I just started showing up there and volunteering. And uh, one night, uh, one day, uh, she came out of the friend of hers. You said, excuse me, ma'am, ma'am. No, my friend, uh, my friend actually said, Hey, I want y'all to get together and go out with each other. Did and you I know just, anything instantly? No, I crawled under the table. I was so embarrassed. Really? Oh yeah. Stuff scares me to death. That's funny. And, Did um, she know? No, she was actually dating a guy for like five years. Ooh. They were planning on getting married. But that next Never Friday, knew this. the next Friday night, uh, we used to bring in Christian bands. And uh, she was there and I was there. And boldness came out of me that I'd never seen before. And I walked up to her, to her and told her that she was going to be my wife. And she's like, ha, ha, ha. I'm engaged. I'm getting married. I've been with this guy five years. It's all planned out. And uh, the Lord told her he's going to be your husband. I did not know that part of the story. Yeah. 19, what, 80? 1996. 1996. 95, 96. So God, God's done a great thing in your life, is doing a great thing in your life. We're going Let's say someone's listening to us and they're on their own journey, their own mess. How did the father lead you out of that 
mess, wandering is a word I hear a lot. You you got more focused. He became more real. Obviously, the father began to slowly. It's the way it works with us. He slowly started to reveal, hang on, it's impossible to hate Jesus or love Jesus and hate me because we're the same. That's my story, by the way. I had a $120,000 seminary degree, and I was like, wait a minute, I'm jacked up. Hebrews 1 says that Jesus and the Father are identical twins. Why do I hate the Father and love Jesus? He's so patient with us. I'm just curious, can you see the steps that he did to slowly pull? What would you say to someone that's walking into higher level identity in the Father? What do you do? Like, How do you get out of the mess? I think... I think the Lord's done a lot of different things. One is, he, it, you know, we talk about community a lot here. And uh, a lot of us run from community. And mm-hmm. I know I always did. I let you get so close. Mm-hmm. And then I would hurt you intentionally so you would leave me alone. Um, but he always brought people along my way that loved him. And and they would lend out a helping hand or whatever it was that I needed at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I literally, and I didn't grow up in hearing the voice of the Lord and even being taught that I didn't know that was a thing until a few years ago. Yeah, I get it. And, but I can look back and see where I heard him talking to me, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know who it was, Mm -hmm. but I did it in that kind of where it's Mm -hmm. like, I knew it was him, but I didn't want to believe it was him because I never heard that Mm -hmm. and thinking, Oh, you're hearing voices. You're crazy. Mm -hmm. And I just think, uh, through his gentle kindness Mm -hmm. and sometimes whoopings, Mm-hmm. Brought me closer and closer to him, but Rich, he used people. I, I, when I asked the question, I was thinking about what would my answer be, and it's that it's surround yourself with people who are further along, and yeah. you'll accidentally come into a higher connection with him. Yeah, Richard Foster calls the Father the Great Hound of Heaven. So when we're at our worst, he seeks us out. He's drawing. He's the one that draws us. Yeah. And, and I think, like, let's take how I've learned from you in financial capital in the past year and a half hasn't been in one moment. I tell you what I have done though. I asked you 25,000 questions and it's like you accidentally start stepping into whatever the other person that you need something from carries in any capital. So what we teach here is five capitals. You got spiritual capital, which is most important. It's my connection to God. You got relational capital. Love God, love people. That's first two. And you got physical, intellectual, financial. So take any of the capitals. They have even done, I think Harvard did a, a research recently that people who spend the most time together, they tend to have the same salary structure, income in a year. It's like a, um, it happens on accident. It's like a law of attraction. Right. So if, you, if you're low in spiritual capital, I tell you the first thing to do, just start hanging out with people that are very high in spiritual capital. And shut up and listen and like don't think that you're there to do much. I will never forget the Lord's reminding me right now. I remember where I was sitting. It's kind of embarrassing now. I said, Bo, what is a HELOC? <laughs> I swear, about a year and a half ago. I didn't know. I just love God, pastoring people. And then God started opening my eyes to where he was taking me. You taught a class here. Well, the principle is the same for all the capitals. It's 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 tugging on the cloak of the rabbi. So you carried something I didn't carry, and I'm just like, but what's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? I, I think that's a good place to end this show. Let's say you're walking. You're not happy where you are in spiritual capital. Maybe you're a business leader, and you're successful in life and all that sort of thing, but it's 
you really want to grow in spiritual capital. Find someone that's high in spiritual capital. Bo asked me to go to breakfast. We talked about spiritual capital. At the end of that breakfast, I said, hey, I really want to start asking you a lot of questions about financial capital because I couldn't really discern. It wasn't clear to me what he was calling me to, but I knew it was marketplace stuff. And there's a reciprocal humility, question asking. You know, Jesus says, don't sw- don't uh, share pearls before swine. You know what he's going at there. Don't just give your high capital on any of the capitals. Don't just give it away. It, it, most rabbis were followed. It shows the humility of Jesus. Most rabbis, people would beg to follow them. The Lord flipped the table on that, which is just wild how he did that. But the whole point is this. Go find someone that's high in spiritual capital. Take them to lunch, breakfast, whatever, and pay for it. And listen and take notes. I, I read something about Dave Ramsey the other day. He interviewed 50 billionaires, and Dave did it himself. He put out his journal. He was just taking notes. He wanted to know what is it, because there's a huge difference in a millionaire and a billionaire. And Dave yeah. just wrote a book on this. He even makes fun of himself. He says, folks, let me tell you what a billionaire is. The whole point is this. Dave humbled himself. Dave's pretty successful. He humbled himself. Bill Johnson at Bethel Church one time, a teenager came in to speak at a staff meeting. Chris Falton said Bill was the only one in the entire staff meeting with his journal out taking notes on what the teenager had to say. Find someone that carries something high, spiritual capital, pursue it, and be patient. Let God do his thing. See you, peace. Thanks for joining us on the Coach and Joe Leadership Podcast. Don't miss the Coach and Joe Talk Show on YouTube and check out coachandjoe.com for more resources, blogs, and merch. We will see you next time.